I want to, before I share the word with you, I've asked our sister Dedita, who heads our, our children's ministry and is w uh, one of our TFI team members who travels around the world with us. I asked her if she would come and, and read a uh, sort of a preamble to my message today. It's a, a, an article that we wrote uh, some time ago. Maybe some of you read it because you, we have your email. Ma'am? Yes, ma'am. Uh, everybody, listen, if you ever preach the gospel, you want to marry somebody who will help you. Don't, don't, don't marry anybody who won't help you. Right. Thank you, sweetie. Uh, yes, uh, this is an article that, that I wrote about on July, well, for the July 26th uh, newsletter. And so I wanted you to, to hear it. She's going to read it. She's a very, very, very good reader. And I wanted her to read it for, uh, to you. And then I'm going to come back and share a little bit from the Word of God. And uh, I, I, I hope I, today the, the, the uh, article and uh, the message will challenge you. Amen? I wanted to challenge you a little bit. We're going to go to the gym. Remember I, when I was, uh, went to the gym with Carlos many years ago, about when I was in my 50s? He said, Pastor, you, you need to work out. You, 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 need, you, you, you need to work out, Pastor. You know, that's somebody telling you, you don't look good. And so I, went, I worked out with Carlos, and he would always say, come on, Pastor, come on. No pain, no gain. Come on, Pastor, come on. He said, you have to go through a little pain if you want to build muscle. All right? I mean, y'all aren't with me. <laughs> I may have to change my message, Jadita. Come on up. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> the missing piece, love. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in all truth bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. For many years, I have prayed to truly understand what love is. One might say, how is it that someone who has lived for more than seven decades is still praying and searching for this understanding? For many of us, there has always been a missing piece in our comprehension and apprehension of this mysteriously missing piece to our lives and relationships. Almost always when one loses something, he misses it. But how does one who does not know, how does one miss lost or that he never fully grasped? Could it possibly be that there has always been a missing piece to understanding love in many of us, if not all of us? 
What is this much needed and often talked about thing called love? Everyone speaks of it in one form or another. Novels, poems, and songs are written about it. We even produce movies about it, yet we do not understand this mysterious phenomenon. Love is that one quality that we always seem to be reaching for in order to understand it more fully, but often tragically miss it. It is my view that we all have this missing piece in our lives, love. In our relationships, we search for that element, that thing, that perfection that somehow is rarely found. What is this missing piece? This missing piece of love is love itself. When we were newlyweds, my wife wanted us to see a movie called Love Story. There was a line in the movie where the young wife says to her husband, love means never having to say you're sorry. Those words have stayed in my mind for many decades. I may not have to this day understood what the speaker was trying to say, but the meaning is much deeper than the average viewer would imagine. Today, I have the courage to tackle its meaning. When love has been consummated in our hearts, we will cease to hurt those whom God has given us to love. Jesus has never hurt me. From my first awareness of him until now, he has always been my greatest comfort and comforter. This is what love is. The Holy Spirit says through Paul, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, and is not provoked. Thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. This amazing quality called love is not a thing we find, but is the reality of one person, Jesus Christ. When we search for love with our whole heart, he will be found by us. He is that missing piece. In other words, the missing piece of love is the full expression of love in you. With love, Pastor. Wow. Thank you so much, our sister Jarida. She made that writing a lot better than it was. Thank you so much for being such a great reader. We have several great readers here. Uh, when I was a boy growing up in school, we had to read out loud. Uh, any of you were, were old enough to have done that? I don't think they do it anymore, uh, but we read out loud, and, and it was so good. But the girls were always the better readers, except for me, you know. <laughs> yes, super. Thank you again, Sister Jadida, for reading that for us. I want to talk to you a little bit briefly. Um, about love is exactly love and I've entitled this the love of God part two 
the love of God part two. The love of God can change the world. We're not talking about love as the world sees it. We're talking about the love of God. And I would like to just begin by saying that you can never love the God way without cost. You can never love the God way without cost. Love will cost you. And if you're not willing to pay, you're not willing to love. In Matthew chapter 22, in verses, uh, in verses 34 through 40, I will m mostly summarize them because I read them in the first time, uh, the first time we shared this on Wednesday. It says, when the Pharisees, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, an expert in the Mosaic law, asked a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest, which is the great commandment in the law? Which is the great commandment in the law? And uh, what you'll notice in verse 37, Jesus does not go to the Ten Commandments. He says, you shall love the Lord your God. And this is not just human love. This is a word, agapao. Uh, we get agape, agapao. This is the God kind of love, where God doesn't love you for what you can give him. It is erroneous to say that, uh, that oh, God saved you and he did all this because of all your talents and so forth. But, but agapao, agape, that is love from the lover to the person who needs the love. You know, God not loving you because you have value, but because of his love, he gives you value. And so this is the kind of love you have to love with or you haven't loved the God way. And so but there are many um, men and women here, boys and girls. There are husbands and wives who have never learned to love the God way. And all of the problems we have in marriage and even in society, in the nation, go all the way up. It's because we don't know how to love the God way. And it is incumbent, it is the responsibility of believers to love the God way. Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God, agapao the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. This is the first. So that means that you and I have to get it right with God before we can get it right with each other. Amen. So it could very well be that if we're not getting it right with each other, we have not yet gotten it right with God. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. What a challenge. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So we see here that we have been commanded to love. If you love God, we find here that you must love your brother also. If you love God, you must love your neighbor also. We are commanded to love. And what we know about God is that when God gives you a command, your heart is open, God speaks into you, 
and what he speaks into you, you become. So if we are still loveless, we don't have the ability to love, it means we have not opened our heart to God. Simply. Simply. It's not complicated. It's not rocket science. If it were rocket science, I wouldn't be here. Let's look at Mark 12. Mark amplifies it. I think Mark gives us uh, some context that we don't have. It doesn't mean that Matthew is wrong. It means that, that Mark, as it were, amplifies it. Okay? Jesus uh, answered him. He answered the, the man who asked the question. The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel. Listen. Pay attention to me. So are you, when you come to church, you have to pay attention to God. You need to pay attention to the Word of God. Even if the speaker is monotonous. One of the, uh, the most effective messages I ever heard was one I didn't want to listen to. The speaker was dry, dry, dry. And uh, it was just so boring. But what he said still remains with me today, 34 years later. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now listen, he's one. So you don't have to be confused about God. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and, Mark says, with all your strength. In other words, everything that you've got, you have to love God with that. You can't love God trying to negotiate with God. Compromising. No, love him with everything you've got. And he says, this is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. The second one is like it. So you love God with everything. He said, and the second one is like it. And the second one has to do with each, uh, each other, our neighbor, the person sitting on the road with us, the person next to us, the person we meet in the grocery store. Every human being then becomes your neighbor. And the second one, like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So that scribe, the scribe, scribes were the people who interpreted the law, right? They interpreted uh, God's law. They interpreted God's word. And then the Pharisees are the ones who carried it out, you know. And they would, you know, how the Pharisees were. They just went too far with everything. But the scribes were the one who interpreted so the, uh, the law. And so the scribe said to him, well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength. And to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. You know what the scribe just said? All of the rituals of the Judaic system paled in comparison to love. He said everything that they went through was absolutely not as essential as love because to go through that without love was meaningless. That's amazing. So, when, you know, I know we are eager to come to church, and I'm not in any way uh, beating us up today, but we can't come to church without love. We can't sing without love. We can't preach or teach without love. We can't do the sound without love or the television without love. Whatever we do, we must have love first. It's amazing. By the way, I'm so impressed with, with so many of you. After you've worked long and hard hours, you come to practice for three hours, the praise team. Or you come to a video meeting or, or whatever. You come to usher. You come to greet. Amazing. Thank you so much for that. That is a show of love. 
And uh, I want to say that uh, also before I go to the, my next point, loving God is not based on your own interpretation, by the way. Have you ever heard people say things like, well, lo to me, love means, what, is, what does it mean to, to God? That's what you need to do, not to you what love means. I know what we're saying. We're saying subjectively, this is how, how I interpret it. But if your interpretation of love does not meet God's standard, it's not yet love. Loving God is not based on your own interpretation of the word of God, but on his word to you. He says, he says in Jeremiah, he says, and I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. I will do that. And it's because God loves you. God loves you. What we find is that uh, the Jews, mostly the Pharisees, uh, they had religion, but not devotion to God. And that, you, you've got to be careful about that. When I was a boy, I came from a church called, it was called the Holiness Church. It was a church of God in Christ. And of course, uh, we were taught that we were different than all other Christians because uh, we had the Holy Spirit. And, and um, um, sometimes, sometimes uh, we weren't so, so good. They, when, when we heard people say, I'm so glad I got my religion in time, we were bothered with that. Religion? You need the Holy Ghost. You know, we were bothered with that. I was a little boy, and I was learning fast. And, of course, God did something for me. He showed me my own sin. He showed me my own need for God. And this is what we need to do today. We need to come out from among them. I'm speaking of the world and the world's attitude. We must come out from among them and be separate. Not, not separatist, but be separated. That is, the holy from the profane. We have to do that. We have to do that in our conduct. We can't be the same as the world. If we're looking at the world as a standard, it won't help us. Sister Martha Ortegon, who uh, organized a great birthday party for me yesterday, uh, by the way, and had a lot of help. Thank you, Sister Martha. I mean, I, that was big. Yes, you know, she, she's been uh, our daughter since she came here as young Martha Garcia at 25 years old. And uh, she even listened to, to me saying, uh, go ahead and marry him. He needs you. And <laughs> she even listened. Okay, if that's what you say, Daddy. Okay, yes, go ahead and marry him. He, he'll make him a better man. But uh, she, she also, not only did she do such a great job yesterday, but she um, and all of you who helped her, thank you so much. That was wonderful. But I, I want to say she sent me a, a little text from a message that she had heard uh, me preach some time ago, maybe 15 years ago. I don't know. But she said uh, in the message uh, there was this line, the world, something to this effect, the world can't change itself. The world cannot change itself. I said the world cannot change itself. Well, then who can change it? Only believers. Only those who uh, believe believe in Jesus Christ can change the world. And th there's no matter, doesn't matter how hard you try, the world cannot change itself. And if you're looking for the world to be able to change itself, you're a part of our problem. And you need to come to the altars. You need to be baptized. Yeah. Because love does it. Let me read this. Let me look, Luke 11, verse, verse 42. Luke 11. But woe to you Pharisees, 
Listen, they were religious people. They had religion but not devotion to God. What are you Pharisees? For you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs. You tithe even on the smallest things and pass by justice and love of God. You pass by the essentials. You pass by those things that are prerequisites to your duties. You pass by justice and the love of God. Now listen to what he says. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Why is it that important to God? Why is it that important to God? He says you should have been people of justice and love and also tithers. But not letting the duties, the religious duties, define who you are. We are defined by our love for each other. Our love for God first, and then our love for each other. And in Genesis chapter 18, uh, you can find that, if you will, uh, Genesis 18, uh, verse, verses 18 and 19. I just kind of threw that in. I'm, I'm an interrupter sometimes. My wife said, don't always write. Don't always write. Do you, do it, I mean, if you're married, maybe your wife doesn't talk to you. Maybe you've already learned. But in 51 years, I'm still learning. I'm a learner. She said, don't be writing. People think you're just not getting your message together. I said, no, it's just that everything that happens in my life speaks to my message. <laughs> and then I want to write it all down. I want it all to be there. It's crazy. Uh, Brother James can sing a song. I go, oh, that applies to my message also. You know, somebody can say something to me. I hear, ah, that's the power of my message. So I have to be on guard to stop that. In, in Genesis 18, 18, the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing, since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord. Wow. He says, I have commanded him. In all, I'm sorry, for I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after them, that he may command his children from the command of God, that they keep the way of the Lord, that they keep the way of the Lord. So it is up to us to keep the way of the Lord. If you and I do not keep the way of the Lord, the way of the Lord will not be kept. He didn't say this to angels. He said that to the redeemed, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And this is what, what the Scriptures say, that if the children did not keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, then God would not do what he had, command, he had promised Abraham. Huge, huge. So there's a responsibility on us, but the responsibility is not to somehow conjure up, work up somehow love. We don't, because the love of God has been, past tense, poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Wow. Wow. 
Let's look at Psalm 33, verses 4 and 5. That's another one I threw on you. Psalm 33, verses 4 and 5. This is what he says about the Word of God. For the Word of the Lord is right. You know, if I were one of the old preachers when I grew up, you know, I have such a rich heritage in the Lord. You know, I mean, when we, some of our children here will tell stories about uh, growing up in this church, and they are the funniest stories. You ought to talk to your children about some of the stories. They are some of the funniest stories. I've, I've, and I said, that was right. That's true. That happened. But when I was a kid growing up, uh, the pastors, the preachers didn't preach like I'm preaching now. And I could never quite preach like they preached. And so they thought I needed a lot of help. You know, and, uh, but when we say the word of the Lord is right, that would be the man's whole sermon. Yeah, he would talk about the word. The not a, the word, God, word, Jesus, of, you know, he would do that. So the word of God is right. When you have the word of God, he says you've got what's right. You don't have to wonder what is right. For the word of God is right. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. When I was a young, young man coming to uh, Corpus Christi uh, with my family, my wife, of course, was born here, grew up here. We had moved to the Middle East. We were coming back, and we were going to start this church, and nothing seemed to work out right. Have you ever said, well, God told me such and such, and then everything just starts to fall apart? You know why? The devil doesn't want you to do what God called you to do. And I remember saying, God, I thought I was listening at that time to a, a, a TV program. I think it was... Um, PTL, I think that was called PTL. PTL? And, um, you know, when you get a little older, you have to ask for help. PTL? Was that PTL? <laughs> you know, it's like saying, do we have any more of that Prevagen? You know, something like that. <laughs> but uh, I, I would listen to, you know, in those days, the PTL, and everyone who came on PTL had a story of victory. I thought, man, I'm, I'm dragging up the rear here. Every time I turn to the right or to the left, the devil is on top trying to fight me. And so I was saying one day I was driving down Saratoga. I think it was a little two-lane highway at the time, little road, street. And I was dri driving down there. And I said, God, I don't understand. I don't understand. You know what he said to me? Read your Bible. <laughs> Read your Bible. So, so for, for the word of the Lord is right and all his work is done in truth. Not some of his work. All his work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. So part of our Christianity is exemplifying what God likes. He wants us to love each other. He doesn't want us to be little rubber ducklings or something like that. He wants us to love each other. He wants us not to always have to agree with each other, but to love each other. I can absolutely say without any reservation, I love each one of you. I love everybody in this church. Can I just say this? Everybody in this church hadn't been really sweet to me at, at times. I'm, I'm, oh, you, you're the exception. You know, we'd be, we'd be practicing Exodus here in a minute. <laughs> I know you love me, and I sure love you. I don't have to agree with everything that you say or do. I love you. 
I love you. And that's what God wants from us. Uh, let me find my place as I, as I finish. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. And then Psalm 89, 14, and this is where I'm going to end this morning. He's, Psalm 89, 14 says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your, your face. Wow, so this is what God, when God tells us to love, it's not so that we'll have a little warm, fuzzy feeling. It's so that who he is will be known. And what he values, you will value. And the whole world will know what God values. And I promise, according to the word of God, that one day, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, the, the knowledge of the love of God. The glory of the Lord is not just brilliance, stars shining everywhere. It's righteous character, justice to everybody, loving everybody, bringing everybody to the very presence of God. And we have that responsibility right now. He's a good God, isn't he? He's wonderful. I'll be back shortly.